Man, if you do not love that theme song, I don't know what to tell you. Because it means you're in the steam room. Presented by Tiso, the official watch of the NBA. It's a podcast which features Charles Barkley. I'm Ernie Johnson. We got a great show today. Best time of the year. Thanks for being with us today, you loyal steamers. As uh, as we get set, there's going to be a little bit of a theme of March Madness on this show because our two guests a little bit later on uh, will be working with us. Yes, Seth Davis and Clark Kellogg. So as you're getting ready to uh, fill out your brackets next week and you need a little primer on who's good and what teams to look for, yeah. uh, Seth and Clark will fill you in just a bit later here on the uh, on the podcast. Um, so, Chuckster, you're back from the wedding, man. And I don't want to talk too much about it because I know we're going to be talking about it with our legendary producer, Tim Kiley, later because he was there. Oh, yeah. Hey, I just want to say uh, shout out to everybody who came to my daughter's wedding. It was the greatest day of my life. Uh, I've had an amazing life. But walking her down the aisle was the coolest thing I've done in my life. And shout out to Zach Brown. Uh, uh, that's the only time I cried during the father-daughter dance. Thank you for mentioning that, Ernie. I got you. So first of all, first of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. You know, I got some good stuff I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a year ago today, our lives changed forever. This is when we first started canceling everything and they announced the pandemic. And man, I just want to acknowledge it and anybody who lost a loved one my thoughts are with you i know a lot of people lost their jobs their businesses i mean their livelihood obviously and it's a somber anniversary so this is march 11th so this is the this is one year since uh oh these games are not being played and then remember we had our show on the 12th with yeah. the commissioner uh, when the league had suspended uh, play and March Madness was canceled. And, and, and I remember, Chuck, as I was writing the intro to the show for us that night, uh, and you were not even at the show because you were, had been tested for COVID at that point. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I remember that in the United States, there were 40 deaths. 40 deaths on that night when we did the show announcing that the league had suspended operation. And now we're on, we're sitting at 529,000 uh, in the United States wow. over the, over the last yeah, that, year. That's, it's just, wow. That's just tough. Man. Well, uh, the second of all, I'm talking to black people out there right now. Hey man, get the vaccine. Listen, uh, I, I know about the Tuskegee experiment and things like that that happened back in the day, but, just talking to black doctor friends of mine, yo man, please go out there. If you can get the vaccine, get the vaccine. I know there's some, you know, LeBron says some things, but I'm just telling you, man, uh, I would take the vaccine tomorrow, but older black people, who, especially if you've got any health issues, please get the vaccine. Nothing I can say on top of that, Charles, but uh, amen. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about this Myers Leonard thing. And just so folks know, Charles, I mean, so apparently he's playing a video game and I guess you're live streaming it or something like yeah. that's as much as I can understand on that because I don't do that yeah. stuff. But, yeah, he had used some certainly some um, anti-Semitic yeah, and anti-Semitic yeah. language in the course of playing that game. Now you go ahead. Continue. 
Julian Edelman is quickly becoming one of my favorite people in the world. He wrote a really compassionate speech to Deshaun Jackson last year, asking him out to dinner to discuss some of the things he had said anti-Semitic. And it was one of the most moving letters that I had ever read. I mean, he says, hey, I'm not here to be angry. I'm not here to be mad. I'd just like to discuss this with you. And he put it out there. And they got together. It was really moving. But he did it again, Ernie. He wrote an amazing piece to Myers Leonard. And, man, it's deep. It's smart. It's well-written. But I implore anybody who's want to read something good from a job, who's compassionate to somebody who said something about his religion, go take a look at what Julian Edelman said. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, uh, Chuckster. Why don't you read it? You want, you want to read it? Sure. I mean, it says, an open letter to Myers Leonard. So we've never met. I hope we can one day soon. I'm sure you've been getting lots of criticism for what you said. Not trying to add to that. I just want to offer some perspective. I get the sense that you didn't use that word out of hate, more out of ignorance. Casual ignorance is harder to combat and has greater reach, especially when you command great influence. Hate is like a virus. Even accidentally, it can rapidly spread. I'm down in Miami fairly often. Let's do a Shabbat dinner with some friends. I'll show you a fun time. I mean, we don't have enough of that in the world today. I call that constructive criticism and compassion. Miles Leonard knows he screwed up. He's going to pay a heavy price. But when things are bad, man, sometimes you need somebody, hey, I want you to know you did wrong, but I'm not here to kill you or counsel you. Yeah, and the discipline that uh, Myers Leonard has gotten from the NBA. Uh, he's been fined $50,000 and suspended from all heat facilities and team activities for one week. He will be required to take part in a cultural diversity program. And you talk about the price. That's just the start. Yeah. That's just that's just the start. And now it's he has to live with that. He has to own that. And hopefully learn uh, from it through through. Yeah. Learn from people like. Julian Edelman. Yes. Um, and from the comments of, uh, of the commissioner, Adam Silver, who said the comment was inexcusable, hurtful, and such an offensive term has no place in the NBA or in our society. Hey, as a guy who screwed up many times, man, I'm just glad Julian Edelman reached out for him with some compassion. Well said, Chuckster. Got anything else? That's it, brother. We're talking college hoops when we Ooh. come back. March Madness right around the corner. Clark Kellogg, Seth Davis. What a tandem. Coming up next. We welcome you back to the steam room, everybody. Uh, this is a very exciting time. And again, Chuck, uh, I think as we rejoin you uh, on the steam room, which is presented proudly by TSO, the official watch of the NBA. We're going to talk hoop, but we're talking March Madness now with a couple of very special guests. And I say it, special, special, special guests. I'm, I'm really excited about today's show. I, I'm a little sick of basketball because uh, I've watched a bunch of basketball, but this, these guys going to get my energy level back up because yeah. March Madness is the greatest event. This is no time to be sick of basketball, Chuck. This is that that is not worked that way. And and guys, uh, let me tell our guests 
there's only one rule uh, when you come into the steam room, and that is please keep your towel on. <laughs> Looks like Seth Davis and Clark Kellogg are in agreement on that one. Yeah, very much so. Guys, how cool it is for us to have you guys on here. Just, to, just before we begin uh, our annual, or it seems like an annual, chance to work together to bring folks March Madness on CBS, TBS, TNT, and True TV. Tenth year now that, uh, that we've had this partnership. Very cool. Clark, this is such a wonderful time of year, man, and I'm so happy that we're back to, to having a March Madness. I think everybody would echo that, Ernie. And great to be with you and Charles and my partner, Seth, as well. I've got a question, though, before we dig into the hoops. How did the name Steam Room come to be the title of this particular gathering? I'm just curious. You want the long story or you want the short story? How long is the long story? Well, uh, here, here's the short story. Okay. Chuck was in a steam room. He noticed that somebody else in the steam room was wearing a loci bracelet. And Chuck said he liked it. And the guy gave it to him. But when Chuck got back to his locker, there was the loci bracelet there. Now, the details of exactly how that transaction transpired that's where the story comes in. <laughs> okay, that's good enough. I don't think there were any towels in there. I don't think, I don't know how close they were sitting. I don't know any. Hey, Clark, I want to make yeah. this perfectly clear for you and okay. Seth and the rest of America. Okay. He gave me this, this, the bracelet outside of the steam room, not in the steam room. But you were admiring it in the steam room. That is correct. I was admired it in the steam room. This was before social distancing was in yes. place. Oh, yes. or was... Uh, it was okay. like three, okay. three, it was like two years ago. Okay. And Ernie just made something so sweet. Him, Kenny, and Shaq, it was such a sweet moment between two men, and they <laughs> messed it up, guys. <laughs> just trashed it. Just trashed it. Huh? I'm thinking of like 30 follow-up questions to ask here, but let's not get uh, astray. No, you, go, you go ahead. You can ask one, Seth. One follow-up, Seth. I'd love to hear it. Well, you know, to, to what degree does Charles seek out company when he's in a steam room? I mean, isn't that kind That's of a excellent. long time? What an excellent <laughs> follow-up. Listen, if it's two people in the steam room. Call it, were there just two, Charles? There was two. How closely were you seated? We was we were really social distancing. You can't then how did you notice his bracelet? I can I got two eyes. I can see, Ernie. I can see. And let me tell you something, Ernie. Nobody walks in a steam room and, and if there's only one other person in there, sit right beside them. That's weird. So there's steam coming up. You're a far you're you're a long way apart. And yet you still see the loci bracelet. Yes, because the steam is the steam is intermittent, Ernie. Yeah, Sometimes you can see, then the steam goes. See, see, Clark, see what I got to deal with? I understand. I understand. You handle it well, though, Chuck. I just needed some history and background on Steam go. Room because I love the title. Yeah. I just wanted to know what the context was for it. And now that I have it, I'm glad I got the short version. Are you still in for being a guest? Yes, big time. Okay. Always, always. Anytime, Ernie. So Clark and Seth, I have made 15 bets on dinner, dinner and a couple bottles of wine with 15 friends of mine. I took Gonzaga and Baylor and gave them the field. I thought Michigan was part of that too. I took Michigan out when they lost to Illinois. Okay. But I think, uh, tell me how you think my bet's gonna turn out. I'll defer to my bracketologist first. <laughs> Uh, I think I think uh, you definitely made the right choice. If you, so, you took the two teams, is what you're saying? I watched Baylor and Gonzaga play probably ten to fifteen times. Right. They're both t 
talented, deep. They got veterans and they got terrific coaches. Like Michigan is fantastic. Illinois is really, really good. Villanova got screwed by a couple of big injuries. I tell you what, and this breaks my heart to say, that man over in Tuscaloosa, Coach Oates, man, it hurts me to say Alabama is terrific. Yeah. I watched Coach Oates when I first started doing March Madness. He was up at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, that team is pretty good. And then now he's been in Tuscaloosa for a couple of years, and they got a top-10 team. But let me tell you something. Baylor and Gonzaga, I'm going to ride those two ponies. Seth and Clark, would you take that bet? Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. If you, you know, normally I think almost no matter what, if you gave me any one team versus the field, I'd, I'd take the field. Uh, but if you gave me those two, I would take those two. They, they really have been uh, a cut above. And it's unfortunate that Baylor, now maybe they would have lost anyway. I happen not to think so. You know, they had a very difficult COVID pause. And not only were they shut down and unable to practice, but basically more than half their team actually got the virus. So they come out of like a couple of weeks. Everyone's getting over being sick. They almost lost to Iowa State two days later. Iowa State hasn't won a game in the league. And so they played Kansas hard that Saturday in Allen Fieldhouse on senior day, ended up losing. You know, but for that, uh, I think they go into both of them going to the tournament undefeated and raise the possibility of meeting in the championship game undefeated. So they've definitely been a cut above. If you said, I'll give you those two against the field, I would take those two. What do you think, Clark? You know what? I think your bet is in good shape, Charles, in terms of what those two teams can do and should do. There aren't any weaknesses with those teams. The one thing that I concern myself with in looking at Gonzaga is can somebody out there really slow them down and make them play only in the half court and get up into them defensively to where it's not easy for them to score? And I, the only team that I think could do that is Baylor because of their guards. Those four guards are as good a foursome that I've seen in college basketball on both ends of the floor, probably since I've been doing this. And I started with CBS full-time in 97, so 20-plus years. I don't know if I've seen four two-way guards as good as these guys, Mitchell, Butler, Flagler, and T. They can get baskets. They can shoot threes. They can drive it and pass it. They can get up into you defensively. They're good on the ball defensively. They're good rotating off the ball. They rebound bigger than they are. Again, I'd be hard-pressed to find. And that's the area where Gonzaga might be vulnerable. But those guards are good. Nimhart and Suggs and even um, Cook, who comes off the bench, doesn't play a lot. I think they're all pretty solid. That would be a fantastic matchup. But I like the bet, Charles. If somebody gave me those two teams, and the field, I'd be pretty comfortable and confident that those folks betting me would be paying. Clark, let me ask you a question just from a player's standpoint on going into the tournament undefeated. Does that raise the stakes? Does that raise the pressure? Do players think about that? I mean, and we saw who we see. Wichita State a few years ago went in undefeated, yep. and then they they drew that uh, that landmine yeah. in Kentucky uh, in in the next round. But um, Kentucky went in undefeated too. Yeah, yeah, and lost it. Yeah, so tell me about that. Tell me about how that how that might come into play, if it does. Ernie, I don't think there's any question there's added weight and burden, particularly in this day and age. I mean, you go back to the last team that won it in an undefeated fashion. The field wasn't expanded to the point that it is now. Um, it was a smaller field. We went to 64 teams in 85 and then 68 when we became partners with Turner. So prior to that, 
Indiana was able to win. I think they only had to win five games at that time to win it all when they went undefeated. And I just think the attention, the scrutiny, the buildup, and clearly players in this day and age, even more so in the past, I think, hear the noise much more because it's relentless. It's hard not to. It's unrelenting and it's consistent and constant. And it's in their inner circle as much as it is in their outer circle. So I just think that does add another burden when you talk about uh, being undefeated as you go through the tournament. And it's impossible for players not to think about it. You know, you look at, obviously, I think most people agree the Big Ten is probably the best conference top to bottom. What's your second best conference after them? Uh, no questions. It's the Big 12, Charles. And, you know, it's, it, what's interesting about the Big Ten is, you know, Michigan State won a national championship in 2000. Big Ten has not won a title in 20 years. It's incredible when you think about it. They've had, they may have, have to have like a number one seed, if not every year, every other year. And it just, it just to me speaks to the capriciousness of the tournament. You know, people really underestimate how much luck uh, is involved. But I, I think the Big 12 has numerous teams that they really have. They, you have the strength at the top uh, with Baylor, and then you have a lot of depth. I mean, teams like Oklahoma and Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma State is a heck of a team. We know they have mm-hmm. Kate Cunningham. They have a lot more yes. than Kate Cunningham. And it's actually incredible. I don't want to get sidetracked, but we were under the assumption when the season started that they would not be in the tournament and Cade, God bless him, was coming anyway. You know, his brother's an assistant coach there. Tells you a lot about that young man that he went to Oklahoma State basically believing they wouldn't play in the postseason. And because the NCAA hasn't gotten around to hearing their appeal, the penalty doesn't go into effect. Uh, Oklahoma's had a heck of a year. West Virginia is a is a mm-hmm. tough out. So I think, I, I mean, Clark, and also, by the way, like the ACC's had a very down year. Pac-12 has really been nothing special. SEC's been okay at the top, but not a lot of depth. So I think it's pretty clear. And even the Big East, kind of under the radar, has has fallen off here down the stretch. So, Clark, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I'd like to see where the teams end up being seeded. We know 7 out of 10 from the Big 12 are going to be in the tournament. So that's 70%. The Big 10 won't get there in terms of percentage because most likely it's 8 or 9 that will represent the Big 10 in a 14-team league. And then the other way to evaluate it is what are the seed numbers? And you add those up. If the Big 12, you're top seven, and then you look at the seed numbers of the top seven for the Big 10, I would say the Big 12 might have a lower seed number in terms of the quality of the, the teams that were represented in the tournament. The Big 10 likely is going to have two number one seeds, Illinois and Michigan. But after that, Ohio State might fall to a three perhaps, and then you've got Iowa in the mix as well as a top four seed for sure somewhere. But then after that, you've got kind of middle of the road. But I do think overall the Big Ten has been the strongest league with the Big 12 not very far behind at all. Hey, Seth, you mentioned the ACC. Let's talk, So what's up with Duke now? Okay, what's, what's the story they pulled out of the ACC tournament? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just, you know, we all have such bad flashbacks to – this very day last year, this is the anniversary yeah. of the tournament being canceled, if I'm not mistaken. And it's also troublesome because Duke had really gone to greater lengths than almost any school that I've covered. Uh, in fact, it was a bit of a kerfuffle because they're, they're, I think they're only like the only major school that wasn't even allowing media into games. Everyone else kind of allowed some sort of limited media presence. They were living in their hotel on campus and not staying in Greensboro. So they were busing back and forth to try to prevent this 
situation. And what happened was there was a kind of a mini outbreak, not only on campus with a fraternity organization, not a specific fraternity, but an interfraternity council. And the football team uh, had an outbreak where they had to shut down activities and the football team is staying in the same hotel. So somebody on the Duke team got the virus, must have happened over the last week or so, and tested positive. And the other thing that frankly confuses me is, you know, so everyone's worried about what happens if this happens in the NCAA tournament. Well, given the protocols, a team should not have to be totally traced out of the tournament. That if somebody gets the virus, they're being so careful about distancing, multiple buses, everyone having their own room. They have these bracelets um, called Connexon that tracks literally where you are physically. If you get too close, it beeps, you know. So the idea that a, that a one player could get the virus and an entire team is traced out uh, I think they're all in quarantine. Certainly the coaches are, court, are quarantining for 10 days. So it's uh, it's a lot to unpack. Now, Duke at this point is not an at-large team. What's very sad is that they had a terrific win uh, over Louisville. And I think they were in position where if they had beaten Florida State, they would have gotten into the tournament. You know, people forget they do have a couple of quality wins, including one over Virginia yeah. in the season. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a slam dunk, but – I'll bet they would have moved in, you know, last four in, you know, type. So it's um, it's unfortunate and it brings back a lot of unfortunate memories. You know, we can go into what the NCAA is doing, you know, for the tournament. I don't think this is a likely scenario for the tournament, but it is a shot across the bow. You know, we may think we're done with this virus. This virus is not done with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, we all really need to be on guard here, not only yeah. for the tournament, but in the coming months and the, the rest in the next year or so to really be careful about how we're getting out of this thing. And it's, and it's interesting, too, because Coach K had just been talking about, uh, look, this ACC tournament is actually part of, the, part of March Madness. This is part of the tournament because mm-hmm. every game we mm-hmm. play now is so important. If we want to be there, we've got you know, to play like this is the tournament now at, uh, that has just come to an abrupt end. Man, wow. Yeah, no, that's tough, really tough. And I agree with what you said right there, Ernie. This is probably uh, my favorite week of March as you get a chance to see the teams that are coming from leagues that will only have their conference champion represent them in the tournament. Summit League, the Horizon League, Cleveland State, and Oral Roberts, yeah. Appalachian State. To be able to see and then to discover some of these terrific players that we've not seen all year. I try to watch as many as I can, but I still miss some of the teams from the non-power conference leagues. And when these tournaments start unfolding, it's amazing the quality of games, the excitement. It is the appetizer to what we'll see over the next three and a half weeks. But this is the beginning of it. This is the madness of March that we've come to so enjoy and expect and are excited and thrilled about. So this is one of my favorite times of the year is um, this time of year when we're seeing some of these things. I really feel sad for um, Duke, too. That's just a, that's a tough hit. You know, Clark, I agree with you, man. Just watching games for the last couple weeks. And, like, I'm sitting here watching that, and I'm watching UNC Greensboro. I'm like, yeah, how the <laughs> hell is that little guard? Why is he at Greensboro? Right. Right. I mean, right. I, I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but I'm like. Isaiah Miller. Woo, this little kid. Yeah. I, he's a pro. He looks like he's a pro. He looks like he's a pro, and I'm like, yeah. this dude at Greensboro? He should be, like, at UNC or something. So, <laughs> it's it, but it didn't watch Drexel win, you know, because, man, just the joy. And, I, and I'm not just saying this because we broadcast uh, the game. 
Man, March Madness is, other than the Olympics, and I've said this before, other than the Olympics, March Madness is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life as far as being a fan. Like, yeah. going to the Olympics, I tell people, hey, ain't nothing like it. You know, TV don't do the Olympic justice. And I tell people, I said, man, March Madness is amazing. I said, that Saturday at March Madness is the highlight of my year. It's so crazy. Wow. I look forward to it every year. But you're right, watching somebody, watching the joy on some of these kids' faces when they make it to the tournament, that's worth it. But I do have a question about Duke, maybe even North Carolina, and especially Kentucky. Do you think the one and done is starting to have an effect on the Blue Bloods? Well, let me take that first, sir. I do think there's some component or element of that that's impacted, in part because the, the, the landscape that's created because of COVID, because of the coronavirus pandemic, really, I think, had a negative effect more so on younger teams because they didn't have the benefit of the summer and the fall and even last spring to get acclimated, to start conditioning and getting to know each other. All of that time was lost. It was for everybody. But for teams that build on young talent, I think it really had an extra impact and effect. John Calipari, I did a Kentucky-Florida game a couple of weeks ago, and he said, typically, what's happening to us in terms of inconsistency, we're able to work it out by the time we get to February. Well, this year, their February was like what typically happens to them in January or late December. So everything was thrown off kilter. So I think some of it is part of that, Charles, the fact that these teams, Duke and Kentucky in particular, have over the last several years gone with tremendously talented young players. Um, But this year, I don't think those players were as good as some of their past players. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they didn't have the time to be together as a team with their coaches in the spring, summer, and fall really showed itself um, during the season. Yeah, and just to echo that, there's no question that the the COVID situation, losing that time, impacted the younger teams. I would say, moving forward, uh, those teams are probably going to have to do some transitioning out of that model because a couple things are happening. First of all, like when you said, you know, how did that kid end up at Greensboro? He should be at North Carolina. I'm thinking to him, I said, he might be at North Carolina next year because – uh, you know, the NCAA, first of all, everybody was transferring anyway, and now they're about to pass a rule where the first time you transfer, you don't have to sit out. So it's going to be that much easier for players to go in that direction. And also uh, the other direction, you know, a lot of these mid-major schools are going to pick up, you know, these high recruits and they go to these uh, elite schools. They don't get to play as much, and now they're going to transfer down a level. So you're going to see that leveling. But here's something else, and Clark knows I can be a math nerd sometimes with, with the numbers. You know, every year, there's maybe a half dozen, probably fewer players who are good enough to go to co- come out of high school, go to college as freshmen, be the main guys, and lead a team to a Final Four. There's maybe three or five of those guys every year. So while I don't believe that the NBA G League and whatever this new league is starting and international ball, I don't think that's like a wide-scale threat to college basketball. They will pick off a couple of those guys. And then like a situation this year – Kate Cunningham went to Oklahoma State because the coach hired his brother. Evan Mobley went to USC. The coach hired his dad. You know, last year, James Wiseman was at Memphis. Anthony Edwards was at Georgia. So it doesn't take much for you to lose that. And then 
when you lose players who aren't good enough while you have them to take you to the Final Four, now you have to be constantly replenishing them. So that treadmill's gone up a little bit faster every year. And I think these these programs are going to have to transition. And that transition takes some time. Well, you know, Seth, number one, I, I'm, that was a great transition to my next question. So one thing that concerns me is just likeness thing. Mm-hmm. I hate when people tell young black kids getting a free education is nothing. That Nothing galls me more than when I hear that. Listen, there's so many people walking these streets right now would kill for a free education and not have those bills that they've been paying for many, many years. But what concerns me with this likeness thing is I think it's going to create jealousy and animosity among the teams. Let's take football, for example. Nobody's going to be buying a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman's jersey. They're probably not going to get a car deal. But if I got, quote, unquote, a Trevor Lawrence, everybody's going to buy his jersey. He's probably going to get a car deal. But also, I think another thing we're not talking about, if I'm a young black kid and I know that I'm only going to go to college for six months, I can say, well, I'm going to sell some jerseys that I got my likeness now or I'm going to get a car deal. I'm not going to Mercer. I'm going to Kentucky because I know they're going to buy my jersey. I know I'm going to get a car deal. That's the things that concern me. What's your guys' opinion? Well, first of all, thank you for making that point. It, it galls me. My thing is, let's just stick with the facts sometimes. You know, anybody who says they're uncompensated, unpaid labor, it's, it's just a lie. I mean, it's demonstrably false to say that they're unpaid and they're uncompensated. Now, if you want to have a conversation to say they're unfairly compensated or that there might be some places where they're restricted that bump up against a legal question and we want to settle this in court, we can have those conversations. But with your starting point is these kids are getting exploited, unpaid labor. I mean, I spent some time last night talking to Marcus Garrett, who's a point guard on uh, Kansas. He's on my all glue team, Clark. Yeah. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, first kid in his family to graduate college. His senior day was the first time his mom had been to Allen Fieldhouse because, you know, they didn't have much uh, living in Texas, afraid to fly, knowing the driver, finally made it there. And the emotions that he felt the night he broke out crying, sitting alone in his apartment, thinking about that and how much Kansas had done for him to be the first graduate in his family. He's not going to play in the NBA. So I think we look at the whole picture. I will say, um, you know, we certainly need to move this ball forward on, on name, image, and likeness. Personally, I don't, this argument that it's going to ruin amateurism or like if Trevor Lawrence or Zion Williamson, whoever else wants a, a car commercial, what do I, I just want to see him play, right? So I, I don't care about that. But in the current system, Kentucky's always going to have a huge recruiting advantage over Mercer. So that's not, I think sometimes where a lot of these rules actually that we don't like are put in place to try to level the playing field that's never going to be level. So I think you sort of have to figure out what contradictions and problems you can live with and which ones you can't live with. And I think we all agree that we can't live with the, with the current system. I think with the name, image, and likeness, Charles, quite honestly, just because you happen to be on scholarship as an athlete at your university doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to capitalize on something that's uniquely valuable to you. And a scholarship should not penalize you from being able to capitalize on it, which is basically what's happened over the last several decades. If you were on scholarship, then that precluded you and exempted you from being able to take advantage of the popularity or the notoriety of your name and persona 
in a compensated manner. And that's unfair because any other student would have the opportunity to do that. Clearly, as an athlete, there's some platforms and privileges you have, but because you're an athlete, it shouldn't penalize you from something that somebody else would be able to do. And to Seth's point, there always are going to be competitive advantages based on location, history of institution, city the institution is in. I mean, there are a number of those things that are always going to be what they are. So to try to even the playing field and legislate that, that's, that's ludicrous. You can't do it. You have to work through and with the reality of the environment. And that's where the NCAA sometimes ties its own hands. Let's get back to the tournament for a second. And, and let me get from, from you two guys, like, just give me a handful. Let's talk individual players. Let's say for the folks who are waiting to fill out brackets and can't wait to watch a tournament, give me five guys that you have got to see in this tournament when it begins next week. Five guys that you have to see. Like I was watching Oral Roberts the other day, so I and so I see uh, Max Ames. Max Amos, the, the the leading scorer in the country, and he's got no and he's got uh, his teammate O'Banner, Kevin O'Banner, like they're the top two scoring duo. That team is actually a fun team to watch, Ernie. I mean, that team yeah. is terrific. Shoots threes, plays high octane offense. That kid is fantastic. Leads the nation in scoring, so he would be on my list clearly. Isaiah Miller from UNC Greensboro. Charles mentioned him. He's seen him go at I would give you another play. And these are guys that you would know. You got to watch Jalen Suggs. And many people have seen him. Oh, yeah. But you got to watch him. This guy is must, this guy's appointment television. Yeah. Because of his energy, his physicality, his tenacity, his big playmaking ability. And he's got other people with him at Gonzaga. Um, so I gave you three. I'm going to leave a couple for Seth. You know, I like the little fellas. So, little Darius McGee on uh, on Liberty. Yeah. And, and Liberty, by the way, is a team. This is a this is a third straight NCAA tournament, and so a lot of the sort of quote unquote power conference teams that are going to play might actually have less tournament experience, which is something something to watch out for. Also, at the mid major level, Sister Jean is back. Uh, she's she's, she's one hundred one yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's gotten both her her doses for the vaccination, so hopefully uh, she makes it to Indy. And the Loyola Ramblers, we were talking on the air last week. I actually think this team might be a little bit better than the one that made the Final Four. They may not, they may lose the first round, but they have a player, Cameron Crutwig, who was a freshman on that Final Four team, is uh, a dynamic player. Uh, in, in a lot of ways. And then I'll, I'll go to the, the, the two freshmen that I mentioned. You know, if you haven't seen Cade Cunningham play, his savvy, his feel for the game, his ability to get gaudy statistics and, and help his team win. And then out West, Evan Mobley has very quietly been extremely dominant for USC, both ends of the floor. I think he was Pac-12 player of the year, defensive player of the year, and freshman of the year. I think, I don't know if it's only Anthony Davis has done that, or the last guy to do that was Anthony Davis, but uh, he, I don't think he's going to end up being as good as AD, but at, the, at right now he's as good as maybe as AD was as a freshman. Yeah, and I want to give you two more names and a team. Cleveland State. I'm a Cleveland native, so I've watched the Cleveland State Vikings. Dennis Gates, who was assistant at Florida State, the head coach there. Phenomenal job. They play hard together. Their best player is Torrey Patton, senior guy who can do everything. Then if Colorado State gets there from the Mountain West, this kid David Roddy is a wide-body stat sheet stuffer. Shoots threes, 6'5", 230, dunks on people, makes passes. I love watching this kid play. So if they can get there, I know they're somewhat in the um, bubble area, but if they find their way to the field, then he would be a guy that you'd want to check out and watch play. A lot of fun. David Roddy and the Cleveland State Vikings and Torrey Pat. You know, this that's the thing about this time of year, guys, that uh, I, I always find myself 
pulling for somebody in this week. And I'm like, and, 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 you know, I know I'm not supposed to be a fan, but after you've been around this game for as long as we all have, and especially even before we were part of the tournament, I was always at the final four speaking for like AIA or, or athletes in action or, yeah. or somebody like that. And I would get to see all these coaches and there's nothing like that the lobby back in the day there was nothing like the lobby of the of the of the coach's <laughs> hotel you know we're yeah. there in town for that for their annual get together and every time you turn around you're you're looking at you know here's tubby smith and here's it you know and but man i would love to see todd kowalczyk get in there with toledo oh um, wow nice yeah i've <laughs> known him i've known him for years now and i know his his rockets have come close before got have been in the conference championship game they got a really good club yes they do that's a great call ernie and i've told todd so many times i said i just look forward to the day where i can talk about your team on cbs and tbs and tnt and true tv so fingers are still crossed for todd kowalczyk and rockets well there's an opportunity they're still alive they got a chance you know ernie i i know the feeling uh, you know, because I went through it a couple of years ago with Auburn. I never in my wildest dream thought Auburn would make it to the Final Four. But man, uh, this tournament never ceases to amaze me. And I want to just take my hat off to these players. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, we're all three, ge four geezers. I couldn't imagine if I was 18, 19, and 20 years old. Was, no, yeah, you go into Zoom to the gym. For, for months. Would you have done it though? Would you have done it for the chance to play? Oh yes, no question. But but yeah. I still want to give those boys credit. No question. No, yeah. we've had some cancellations and postponements. Yeah. But man, and not just in in college basketball, the NFL, right. the Cross NBA, the these guys have been amazing. And so I just want to give these players a shout out. And I hope I hope that we go through the entire tournament have no positive tests. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm ready. We all are. And guys, we only have uh, an hour left in your time. So, uh, no. So, Hey, thank you for, thank you for making the time. I know this is really busy and, and, uh, man, we can't wait to connect with you guys again. And I know we'll be in Atlanta. You guys will be in New York, but we'll, uh, we'll be able to talk and, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see y'all at the final four though. Ernie, just take care of all my props down there, okay? I know there's a closet with my I got a chainsaw, my whole lock thing. Just keep that safe for me, please. I don't know what we're gonna do with that now. Hey, 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 listen, I just wanna say this. Please take care of my donuts and cookies and things up there that they always use as a prop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got you covered, Charles. <laughs> okay, who's cutting down the nets, Seth? I'm going with Baylor. I think they're back. I, I like their uh their, their defense is what tips it for me. So I'm going with Baylor. Clark? I'm going to Zags, man. It just seems like it would be absolutely, absolutely fitting in this year coming off the cancellation. Last year, they had a great team, kind of like Virginia going down as a 16 and redemption the following year. I just get a sense it may very well be Gonzaga's time. That'd be great. Guys, thank you much. We, uh, man, we appreciate it. And love you guys. Love you guys too, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. We'll be watching you on Selection Sunday, I suppose. I suppose you both you both got roles and Yeah, we'll be hanging out. Yeah, we'll be taking it right till 60 minutes kicks us off. Yeah. <laughs> Give Greg Gumbel my best. Good man. Will do, man. Great to be on the road with you guys, man. Even though we won't be together together until perhaps Indy, but still we're on the road together, man. And that's um that's a great thing. Can't wait to get started. Yeah, man. Likewise. Have a great day. Guys, thanks.
back to the Steam Room presented by Tissot, the official watch of the NBA. Well, royalty in the house. Wait, wait, who's royalty? The legendary, <laughs> long-time executive producer of Inside the NBA. Tim Kiley is here. Star of stage and screen, too, Ernie. <laughs> yeah, star of stage and screen and uh, Nobel Prize winner as well. Uh, you, Gandhi, and Dr. King all won the same award? Well, I was third, but it's okay. Nothing wrong with the bronze medal. That's, that's what I always say. Bronze medal's way more expensive than the gold medal. Yeah, this is a this is a little known fact. It's a very little known fact. Not surprising you would know it. So obviously I have two gold medals and so yeah. blessed to represent my country. So I gave one to my mother and grandmother <laughs> and I want to get them insured uh, in case something happened. And I take them to this, the jeweler and I say, hey, you know, these things are worth a lot of money. I want to get them insured just in case somebody steals them. The jeweler does all this thing. He says, oh, you ain't got to worry about it. These things don't worry about 1995. These things are gold plated. <laughs> he, he says, you should have worn the silver or the bronze. They worth way more money than this gold medal. And that's a true story, America. So that is why you went back to that, to that jeweler and got them bronzed, right? <laughs> That's what I should have did. <laughs> All right, TK. So I'm sorry. I was busy over the weekend. There was this thing called the All-Star Game. I heard about it. That Kenny and Shaq and I had to work along with D. Wade while Charles was in, in Arizona for uh, Christiana and Ilya's wedding. But you were there. Yes, Ernie, I was. And first of all, I'd love to say mazel tov to Charles on the on the beautiful daughter's wedding and Ilya's wedding. Um, Lachaim, it was a great, uh, great ceremony and a great party afterwards. Ernie, the ceremony was 20 minutes wow. in, out. That's what it's all about. My wife and I were mashugana over being invited. So thank you, Charles, for that. It's a real mitzvah on your part. Well, i tell you what, man. Uh, you, it was an honor to have you there. You know that. And, and your lovely wife, Maureen. Really, man, I was so glad you were there. Shout out to my girl, Tara August. The boss was there. Hey, it was the greatest day of my life, man. Uh, it went off without a hitch. Well, 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 the, the yarmulke didn't fit so well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I need to talk to some people about that. I got a business, <laughs> I got a business venture uh, that we need to discuss. Uh, so, Ernie, apparently, I, I wore a yarmulke. Because I saw the other grooms when grabbing, they had a stack of them. And I says, I think this would be cool if I walk in in a yarmulke. But they only come in one size. That's really unfair, TK. That's really unfair. So one size does not fit all. It was like an Oreo cookie on the top of his head. <laughs> so I've got, to, I've got to figure out, I need to talk to a rabbi and figure out why they only come in one size. That really doesn't seem fair. How great was the rabbi, by the way? Oh, he was hilarious and funny. Um, but it, man, it was it was just awesome. But seriously though, I don't understand why they have those things only come in one size. To fit that squash you got, Chuck, man, you need a- That's my point, Ernie. The notion that me, yeah. you, and TK can wear the same size of yarmulke just makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> True. And I don't have time I cried, Ernest, when I was doing the father dance daughter. I didn't cry walking her down the aisle. Father dance daughter. Father daughter dance also. Yo, the what, what did I say? The father dance daughter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What were you saying, TK? So Yeah, he did cry because he was giggling walking up the aisle. He did cry at the, at the dance later that evening. Might have been fueled with something. I won't, I won't say what that is, but 
Um, they had to bring in the Israeli bodybuilding team to, hey. to pick him up over the shoulders, the chair. So. And that went okay, though, right? It went great. It went great. Listen, it looked like they did it with ease, too, Ernie. I'm not going to lie. Youth is served, Chuck. Yeah. they. they I think they took me up about six or seven times, and it was amazing. But listen, I didn't. I was a little worried, I'm not going to lie, that I was going to hurt somebody. But they got me up six or seven times pretty easy, Ernie. My dad is paying off. Ernie, I'll say this. It was a <laughs> hell of a bash. And Chuck, it was great for us. And I know it was great for you, but it was just wonderful to be there and be a part of it. And we just all thank you very much for that. Oh, uh, you're welcome, my brother. Happy for you, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. You have a son-in-law. Wow. Absolutely. One more thing, Ernie. We're paying the bills. Yes. Our new sponsor, as you said, is TSO the official timekeeper of the NBA. So we're going to put the Chuckster on the clock. Okay. You know how much you enjoy that, Chuck, right? Yeah. Okay. This is a new segment. Okay. Where do you get this? Ready, set, T-so. <laughs> Annie oh, Lutz came up that. with that. Before you make fun, it's your Auburn girl, Annie Lutz. Hey, Lutz can never do any wrong. That's right. Rules are simple, Chuck. You have to try to complete a challenge before the time runs out. 30 seconds. There are four NBA teams that don't end with an S. Their nicknames do not end with an S. What are those four teams? Roll the clock. Jazz, yes. Heat, Magic. Jazz, Heat, Magic. You got it. Got 23 seconds. Uh, Think where you struck out against Michelle Smith. And you rode a horse onto the set. Okay, see. There you go, Chuck. Yeah. Well done. You have yeah. six seconds to spare. Hey, listen, man. This is Auburn education. I don't need the whole time, brother. Hey, I, hey, I, hey, I graduated. Thank you, Lottie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lottie. Zeta Beta, see you later, Chuck. <laughs> that's, that's it. All right, boys. Enjoy, Ernie. All right, brother. Always so much fun to be in the presence of the legendary Jim Kiley. Oh, <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. The final segment of our show in every episode is the old school Chuck's answering machine, uh, which we ask you to give us a call at 404-987-0330. And over the last uh, couple of years here, as long as we've had this steam room, uh, this has been one of the one of the great segments of the show, just because uh, the calls come from all over the world, all over the world. They come with all kinds of different reasons for for leaving a message. So uh, that's enough of me talking about it. Uh, let's hit the machine. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. What's up, Chuck? Just got out of the steam this morning and sitting on the dock having a coffee, listening to last week's episode. Can't tell you how excited I am for March Madness and listen to you guys talk about it. But I got to dial it back one notch. Um, I coach high school basketball here in Vancouver, Canada. And I want you to send a little shout out to these high school kids who haven't been able to play a game in over a year. Think about when you were 13, 14, 15, 16 years old and you couldn't play basketball. It's been a troubling mindset for a lot of these kids. And your voices at TNT have got us through at night watching the broadcast on Thursdays. It'll be great to hear your voice and play it to the kids. 
and give them a little inspiration because this thing's got to come to an end soon. Speaking of that, we got lots of golf up here in Vancouver. Come on up. Take you for 18 holes and certainly for the 19th hole because we got lots of good tequila too. Loyal Steamer here in Vancouver, Canada. Hey, y'all are young. You got a bright future. We're going to get through this stuff. Uh, we're going to get through this. The uh, United States is the greatest country in the world. You know, the vaccine is going around right now, and I'm hoping, and like I said earlier, please get the vaccine. Please get the vaccine. But, man, just stick together with your family and your friends. That's all you can do because this is crazy. And you know what? Hey, basketball will be played again. So you guys got a bright future. But hang in there. Thanks for the call from Vancouver. And, and props to Canada, too. Well, you said that the United States is the greatest country in the world. We love our Canadian brethren as well. Well, you know, I lo- listen. Well, you know, Toronto <laughs> and Vancouver. I'm not sure about Montreal. <laughs> oh, come on, you Winnipeg. don't need to go down that road. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Canada. Yeah, you're a piece of work, man. Hit the machine. Hi, this is Soli from Pasadena, California. Hi, EJ. How are you? I just love your show. I cannot tell you. I I bond with my son over your show. I'm a single mom of a 17-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter, working mom. And little tidbits that I get from you guys it just has helped my relationship with my son so much. So my question is to Charles about Mexican food. I definitely know you don't like guacamole because you don't like avocados. So what is your go-to Mexican dish. Are you a beans and rice person? Are you a taquitos person, enchilada person, chilorellano? Let me know. Again, blessings to you. Thank you for always paying it forward. Love you both. TK, love you too. Oh, wow. That's a shout out to TK as well. You know, I admire that lady and I never even met her. I admire single moms. You know, being raised by my mother, man, it's a tough job being a single mom because you really have to cook the bacon, bring home the bacon and be a mom and dad all the time. And it's not easy, especially now. So number one, I'm glad that we able to bring her some joy. And man, I hope them two kids, man, go give your mom a hug and say, thank you for everything you do. I don't think uh, a lot of people do that enough when, when you have a single parent. Think about my mom passing away I think I did a good job, but I hope I would let her know, raising three boys, how hard, I mean, how hard that could have been. Yeah. You know, one of the cool things I love about living in Arizona is the, the Mexican food. <laughs> I love the way Hispanic people, when they're talking about that little voice, and they were like, when they saying it like authentic, it's pretty cool. <laughs> But there's a couple places I go to. Uh, La Fonda in Arizona is really good. What do you get? If, you, if you're if you black, they would call it chitlins, but it's in a soup. Uh, I forget the name of it right now. But it's chitlins. You know, chitlins is one of my favorite food. They put the same things that chitlins, the intestines in a soup. It's got a little kick to it, and it is fabulous. Mm, sounds it. I love it, Ernie. Especially when you say intestines. That's what chitlins are, Ernie. I know. I actually get it a couple times a week just to have a big old bowl of soup. Is it called menudo? That might be right. How do you know that? 
Somebody told you in your ear, didn't they? Sure. Michael Kaplan, our producer. It is so awesome. What do you drink at a Mexican restaurant when you have, when you're enjoying a, uh, some menudo or a, an enchilada or a burrito? Either a Tecate, a Dos, Dos Equis. Mm-hmm. How about a margarita? Uh, oh, yeah, a top shelf margarita. It, but I'm not like one of those wussies who puts salt on it. I don't like the salt on the rim. On the rocks or frozen? On the rocks, brother. And tequila, you know, tequila. Woo! Just have one. <laughs> one more call. Ernie, Chuck, and the legendary TK. Me and my boys had a golf vacation planned for United Kingdom, and it got canceled. Got me thinking, are you guys doing the Black Masters? And if you are, where do I submit my application? Love the show. Thanks, guys. I was thinking about that today, Chuckster. I don't know. I'm gonna have. We're going to have to look at the NBA playoff schedule. Well, wait, what does that mean? What days we're working, you know, and that kind of thing. We're having the Black Masters. I don't care. COVID, tornado, hurricane, we're having the Black Masters. I'm finally playing great golf. And y'all think, hey, let me tell you something. Kelsey, Steve Smith, Grant Hill keep sending me videos about how good they are. Ernie, we're having the Black Masters, brother. I'm all in too. I just got we just gotta make sure as we do it in every other year, the two years we be that we've had it, that it that we can schedule it for a day you know, where there's no work and we've got a little time to enjoy it. So, yeah, you and I will look at the schedule and we'll, and we'll say, hey, this will be the day we do it. Listen, if Cheryl don't want to cook the ribs and stuff by the brothers, let us know. No, oh, she loved that. We had a great time on the back patio that day after we had played the second Black Masters. And, and uh, man, we just it was such a beautiful day and we just hung out. It was so much fun. So, um, yeah, we'll. Look, all I'm saying is we will find a day. We just don't know what that date is at this point. Yeah, we're going to definitely find a day for the Black Masters, brother. Yeah, and then, and it will again be held at the beautiful Legends of Chateau Alon out there in yes. Brazelton, Georgia. Yes. They're so kind out there at the Legends. And I have more guys on the driving range ask me that same thing. We're out here hitting <laughs> balls. Is, you guys going to do that? Uh, you guys going to do that Black Masters this year? So, you know. Maybe there will be a gallery. You never know. Might have some guys out there watching. I cannot wait this year. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that answered the question. It, it did sort of. Um, look, next week uh, we're going to take a we're going to take a break next week as we uh, prepare for the onslaught of games for uh, the beginning of March Madness. So uh, so next week we will not have a podcast, but the following week, Chester, I think. I think we can get back in the flow and then we kind of, we can kind of review what we've seen in those first few days of uh, yeah. the tournament and, and whatever else happens to come up. But uh, for next week, we'll just kind of lay low and then we'll come back at you. Good with you. Yes, sir. Works fine with me. Can't wait for March Madness, baby. Work on that golf swing, Chucks. You've been doing a lot of yapping. You've been doing a lot of yapping. I'm so confident. I'm so confident. <laughs> I'm so- it's going to be some changes made in these rankings. <laughs> well, hold on just a second. Let me hold, hold the phone here just a second, Chuck. I'm here in my office, by the way. Maybe one day <laughs> oh, you can Lord. get one of these <laughs> jackets as the winner of the Black uh, Masters. Yep, it hangs proudly here in my office at Techwood. Nobody can ever take it away from me. <laughs> 
And Gary Sheffield's oh. got one too, hanging up in his closet down there in Florida. We know what it takes. We know what it's like. We've withstood the pressure and come away with the black jacket. Oh my God. Still fits too. Anyway, <laughs> that's enough for this for now. Um, I'll see you, uh, see you in the studio tonight. Yes, sir. Can't wait. Thanks once again to Clark Kellogg and Seth Davis for joining us today. And, yes. um, and to uh, the Chuckster, who now has a son-in-law, Ilya. Uh, life is uh, life is different, and he's got a married daughter. Man, alive. Yeah. Chuckster, yes. you're getting old, kid. Yes, I am. All right. <laughs> no, there's no argument there. No argument there. We'll see you next time on The Steam Room, y'all.